After almost 60 years as a pastor and evangelist, John Carter has touched the lives of millions with honesty and integrity. He is convinced that the answers to all our questions are found in an ancient book. Today, he answers questions that you, his viewers, have asked. John Carter invites you to listen, weigh the evidence, and draw your own conclusions. Welcome to questions and answers about divorce, marriage, depression, rebellious kids, religion, and much more. Hello, friend. Welcome today to the Carter Report and a special welcome to my home. Because of COVID, we're doing television from my home. And I'm so glad that you today have joined us. You're a very, very special guest today. So thank you for joining us today on the Carter Report. It is good to be with you, Pastor Carter. Paul from New York did not like the last answer you gave him on divorce. Can you elaborate? Before I try to answer that question, I want to say thank you to Wayne Hackett. He's the voice you hear in these programs, one of the most recognizable voices across the United States of America. And I, I just want to say, Wayne, I'm so grateful to you for the magnificent part you play in the ministry of the Carter Report. Now, here's the answer. It has been said that the Christian church is the only army that shoots its wounded. Now, I don't know if that's altogether true. I think that may be a little harsh, but it has been said many times that the Christian church is the only army that shoots its wounded. And many people who've had bad marriages are a part of the wounded. And the Christian church should not be taking pot shots at people who've had divorces. But however, having said all of that, and I think you will agree with me, I believe that we have an obligation to tell people the truth from the Bible. You see, it's not my opinion that counts. There's a big difference between my opinion, your opinion, and what may be absolute truth. And so let me say this. We're not here today to criticize any person because of his marriage relationship. We all need the grace of God in our lives. Every one of us. I need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. And we need to be loving and forgiving. Let me read you a text here. I'm going to come over here to Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus is actually talking about divorce. Uh, let me see, large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. 
Now the religious leaders in the days of Christ had thought up umpteen dozen ways so they could justify divorce. And so they had dozens, even scores of different ways. If the lady burnt the toast for breakfast, (laughs) that was grounds for divorce. But Jesus said the creator in the beginning made them male and female. So marriage cannot exist apart from a male and a female. I don't wish to offend anybody, but I'm not here today to carry favour with anybody or to earn special brownie points in political correctness. By the grace of God, I'm not here to tell you my opinion. I'm here by the grace of God to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible is our authority. And Jesus said, this business of putting away your wives just for any reason is not what God wanted. And then he says, oh, wait on, verse 7, why then they asked in Moses' command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. So they quote Moses. Well, Moses allowed a man to give his wife a certificate of divorce and to send her away. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Goodness. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Now this is the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, the person who gave away the first bride in the book of Genesis. This is our God who is talking and he says, the only legitimate reason for a legitimate divorce is fornication. Now, I'm not trying to get you to see it my way. I'm just giving you the text and I want you to make up your own opinion. But I want you to know this. Marriage is sacred in the sight of Almighty God. The home is is the rock of society. If you want to destroy society, destroy the home. And that's what all this political correctness, all these other substitutions for the word of God, that's what's happening to society today. The home is being destroyed. And by the grace of God today, I want to defend the home and your home also, my friend. Sally from Michigan wants to know, does your church believe that only members of your religion will be saved? Goodness, I wouldn't want to belong to a church that was so narrow-minded that it taught this exclusive idea that only we are going to go to the kingdom of God. What a terrible church that would be. That would be a church of super, super, super duper Pharisees. I don't want to belong to a church that is packed out with Pharisees. My church teaches that the vast majority of God's people. Now, I am an Adventist, an Adventist Christian. No, I hope I am a Christian Adventist. My church teaches that the vast majority of God's true children are not found in our church, but they're found in the Roman Catholic Church, the great Protestant churches, 
and so on. I do not believe in the narrow-minded idea that only we and ours are acceptable to God. Now, I'm in good company. I'm going to read to you the words of Jesus. This is Matthew chapter, let me see, chapter 8 and uh, verse 11. Here it comes, Matthew 8 verse 11. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Strong words from Christ. Jesus said to the leaders of the great established church of his day, in the judgment, he said, people are going to come from the east and the west, people you know nothing about, and they're going to sit down in the kingdom of God. My friend, I believe that God has got a big family, don't you? I don't believe that God is narrow-minded. I believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And I believe we're going to be surprised at the people who are in the kingdom of God and the people we expect to be in the kingdom of God who are outside the kingdom of God. This comes from Jason in Montana. You tell me you are a Protestant Christian Adventist. What does that mean? Well, let me sort of revise this a bit. I think I can say that I am a Christian Protestant Adventist. Ha, ha, ha. What does this mean? Well, first and foremost, by the grace of God, I am a Christian. Maybe not a very good one. You know, I'm a, I stumble, I'm falling, I'm getting up, I'm fighting on. Uh, but first and foremost, I am a Christian. I follow Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said that, I believe, in John chapter 14. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And as far as I'm concerned, the most important person in the world is Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. So firstly, foremostly, I am a Christian. Then secondly, you better wait for this because some of my friends are going to get confused, going to be writing me other letters. <laughs> secondly, I'm a Protestant. What, what on earth is a Protestant? A Protestant is a person who believes in the total authority of Scripture. As a Protestant, I believe in sola Christus. That means only Christ. Number two, Sola Scriptura, only Scripture. Sola Gratia, only grace. Sola Fide, only faith. That's a Protestant. A person who's not a Protestant gets his faith from some religious hierarchy who drops it down, they drop it down, their doctrine down on the heads of the people. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in totalitarian systems. I don't believe in infallible popes or infallible committees or hierarchies. 
You see, I am a Christian first, and secondly, I am a Protestant, and thirdly, I am an Adventist. Now, who or what is an Adventist? Well, there's about 25 million of us around the world. (laughs) We believe in the all-sufficiency of Scripture. Our doctrines are based on Scripture, not based on tradition or some other extra-biblical sources. We believe in sola scriptura. We believe, I'm just quoting the Latin there so you folks think that I'm, uh, you know, a little bit educated. (laughs) Uh, Sola Christus, only Christ. As an Adventist, I believe the way to the kingdom of God is not through my obedience, but it is through Christ. I believe that Christ made an atoning sacrifice for me on the cross. And I believe if I come to him in true faith, repenting of my sins, I am saved. I pass from death to life. Now, Adventists, we Adventists, we also believe in the keeping of the Sabbath that we believe is the Lord's day. We believe in the keeping of the Sabbath as the rest day, the blessed day, the best day, and also the test day. And as Adventists, as an Adventist, I believe in the soon advent of Christ. I believe that Christ is coming soon. I believe he's coming in power and great glory to take his people home. So I hope that answers your question. It doesn't confuse you even more. So firstly, I'm a Christian. Secondly, I'm a Protestant. Thirdly, I'm an Adventist. Several people in Hawaii want to know if you believe in talking in tongues. I sure do. (laughs) I believe in talking in tongues. The tongues that are taught in the Bible, not the tongues that are practiced by some of my friends. Now, I believe in the tongues as plainly illustrated and amplified and clarified in Acts chapter 2. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, or as the Greek says, or the margin says, other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. And then I come down here to verse 8 and 9. It says, how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. The gift of tongues was given for evangelism. Not so that I'm going to feel uh, goosebumps all over and have warm, fuzzy feelings. Tongues was given so that people who could not understand the language would understand it. And so people back there heard the language in their own language. They heard the gospel in their own language. This is what I believe in. Why, bless your heart, I've seen it happen. I've heard it happen. 
Many years ago, I was in the country town, the beautiful town of Albury on the Victorian New South Wales border in uh, Australia. This was many, many years ago. A lady came to the meetings, an old Russian lady. Her name was Mrs Pinter. She could hardly speak a word of English. But when I got up and preached, she heard everything I was saying in her own language. She came to Christ. She accepted Christ. She was baptized and she joined the church. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Yes, I believe in tongues, in the tongues of the Bible for evangelism. Linda from Indiana watches you on Three Angels Broadcasting Network. She wonders how and when you started. Well, I just love the folks at 3ABN. We've been broadcasting with 3ABN on 3ABN for going on 34 years. <laughs> That's a very, very long time. When I came to the United States and went to Texas with my family, and then back in 1987, I went up to southern Illinois and I met Danny Shelton. I met a man that God was using. A few years before then, Danny had walked out on a field in southern Illinois near the town of Benton, not far from West Frankfurt. I've been there about 50 times, folks. About 50 times at least over the years. Maybe 60 times. (laughs) And Danny had a dream a vision. God put this dream in his mind. God put this vision in his soul. And God said to him, Danny, I want you, you're a carpenter. I want you to build a television station and preach the gospel and the undiluted truths of the three angels' messages to the whole wide world. He said, I want you to do evangelism because God said to him, the most important thing is the communication of the gospel of Christ. And so Danny said, well, got his brother, some other folks, they measured off what they thought would be big enough for a television station, so they built a television station. And then a bit later, they built a bigger one in another location. And then they built a big church. And then they built a school. Then they built this big production center. People said, can't be done. We meet people like that all the time, don't you? Can't be done. I like the words of John Kennedy. He said, we don't ask why, we ask why not. And Danny is a true American who believed that all things were possible with God. He said, why not? We've had a very special relationship with Danny Shelton and 3ABN. We respect them. They're doers. They have an outreach now that goes right around the world with all of these different satellite systems. The Carter Reporter's been broadcasting with them about 10 times a week, right around the world, by the grace of God, touching millions and millions and millions of lives. The Carter Report is not a part, per se, of 3ABN but 3ABN are our partners in evangelism. Danny and his team came with us to Russia. And there we saw thousands, 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 
hundreds of thousands, even millions of people come to these great gospel meetings. And in the city of Nizhny Novgorod, Danny got another one of his dreams and visions and God told him, build an evangelism center. By the grace of God, he got it done. He got it done. And so 3ABN and the Carter Report have been special partners in the great work of evangelism. We say, God bless Danny, God bless his family, and God bless 3ABN. My teenage daughter is out of control, and she defies me at every opportunity. Frank from Fort Lauderdale asks, how can he restore their relationship? That's a tough, tough one. I want you to know this, my friend, that God loves you and God loves your daughter. This is a tough one. We live in an age where there are so many voices. Young people are being torn apart. You can pray for your daughter. When words don't count anymore, don't, don't, when she's shouting at you, don't be shouting back. But pray for your daughter and tell your daughter that you love her. And don't give up on your daughter. Never, never, never give up on a rebellious child. I, I want to tell you that, my friend. And remember this, God understands and God sympathizes. God had some problems with his own children, didn't he? God lost a third of the angels in heaven. They were a part of his family. You think one third of his family turned away from, from him. So God has got the heart of a father and the heart of a mother. God knows what it is to feel this, this searing pain in, in the heart. So don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Believe that all things are possible with God. Nothing, nothing is so desperate that you have to just give up. No, no, no. Hold on. The morning is coming. Pray for your daughter. Love your daughter. Don't raise your voice. Sometimes I'm told this may help. I've known parents who've had a completely rebellious son or daughter. They've tried everything. And in the end, they've sat down and they've written to that beloved daughter or son a letter. And, and they say something like this. You've got, you've got the privilege of choosing what you want to do. God made you that way. So we're going to give you up to God. And we're going to let you know that you are now responsible for your actions. We're not going to be telling you anymore what you ought to do. And so now you are fully in charge of your own life and we, will, we, will, we won't be telling you anymore. But we'll be praying for you. And when you need us, we're here for you. And so I say to you, beloved mother, beloved father, don't give up on that teenage boy or that teenage girl. Remember, it's not over until it's over. And then it ain't over. Dan in Arizona is watching more and more young people 
leave his church, is there a way to bring them back? I think I can say I feel your pain. I feel tremendously. You feel tremendously. We don't have hearts of rock. God understands this too because God lost a lot of his own children. You think how God feels when he looks down at this world and he sees the hell that we've turned this world into. The pull of the world is tremendous. They turn on the internet, they turn on television. The pull of the world, the voices, so many voices, many of those voices are representative of the voices of Satan. So they're young, they're immature, they don't know what's going on and and they, they give in to their natural urges. And sometimes the church lets down pretty badly. Many young people have left the church because of cold, critical Pharisees in the church. I'm not saying this to offend anybody, but you know it's true. You're never going to get a suntan, my friend, sitting in a refrigerator. And sadly, some churches are not like the warm sunshine. They're like refrigerators. And people go along to those places and they go there to get get a suntan with the love of God and they get frostbite. So the church needs to be warm and loving and welcoming and even when young people mess up, the church needs to say, we understand you and we love you and we care for you. But remember, as I said before, it's not over until it's over and then it's not over. God is working on the hearts of our young people to bring them back and may he use us to help in this process. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. John Carter reports, We have seen God's power as the gospel of Christ has been proclaimed in Africa, India, Russia, Ukraine, Cuba, El Salvador, and many other places. We invite you to partner with us in proclaiming Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Write today to The Carter Report. P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. That's The Carter Report, P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to The Carter Report, P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. That's The Carter Report. P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. 
Thank you for your generous support. We look forward to hearing from you soon. May God richly bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.